0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. We have Jess Minnell back. She was on my podcast twice already. We had a podcast on imposter syndrome, which we were just talking about. We've gotten a lot of really nice positive feedback, and I just re-listened to the podcast, and one of the things we really encouraged everyone to do was really open up and talk about it, and it's so nice to know that a lot of you guys have taken that really seriously and reached out to us and shared your feelings of imposter syndrome, and it's just nice to kind of increase that dialogue surrounding this topic because as we said in that podcast, it's just not something that people talk about it a lot or they're kind of, they feel weird talking about it because no one else is. So anyways, I'm really happy to have you back today. So yeah, we're going to dive into a discussion on home health, but before we do that, if there's any new listeners, can you quickly um, just reintroduce yourself for anyone new who's listening?
1: Yes absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me back on. It's awesome to uh, be chatting with you again. I loved our first two episodes that we did together, um, so I'm excited to do even more. Um, But for anyone who is not familiar with the episodes that I did with Shannon a few months ago, uh, my name is Jess, and I'm a pediatric speech therapist. I am based out of Massachusetts, and I own my own private practice. I started it in july of 2020 right at the height of the pandemic and um, i provide teletherapy services and then hoping to uh, go back to home-based therapy um which is all what we're going to talk about today so that's, that's that jumps right in but you can find me on instagram um, i actually have two instagram handles uh two accounts uh you can find me at speeches us the letter r um, and you can also find my private practice Instagram account at communicids.slp.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for introducing yourself again. And I'll put that in the description of the bio. So it's super easy for people to find you and connect with you more. And I really recommend if anyone wants to hear more about imposter syndrome or private practice to check out our other two podcasts, I'll also link those in the description. So it's easy to find. Um, And uh, thank you so much for dealing with my slow responses to emails. I just want to say that before we begin.
1: (laughs) You're very patient. You know what we're all busy and we all have lots going on sometimes emails are at the bottom of my priority list and that's okay <laughs> yeah for some reason it's like
0: i love podcasting but the emails i don't love emails and yeah. just get
1: overwhelmed. <laughs> that's okay i feel you i feel you
0: okay so so today we're going to be talking about home health and before we started recording we had a bit of a discussion about like what exactly it is because we don't use that term in Canada a lot and I'm in Canada and Jess is in the States. So we kind of just talked a little bit about what it is and how it compares to um, what Canadian SLPs are doing here. So can, can you kind of summarize our discussion just a little bit, share like what it is? Because um, yeah, I just wasn't entirely clear on how that looked. And I wasn't sure if it basically was another word for like private practice in Canada, but it sounds like there's also government funding home health. So yeah, if you could just share a little bit about what it is before we dive into it.
1: So home health is, um, I would describe it as a way of providing services. So like you can provide services in the hospital, you can provide services in a school, you can provide services through home health. So it's, um, it's just another setting, I guess, where you can provide services. So there are private practices that do home health, that would be me, I would fall into that category, because after the pandemic, I'll be going doing my sessions back in people's homes. Um, And then there are also government funded home health agencies like early intervention. Um, So early intervention does not fall under the private practice umbrella, it's under the government agency umbrella, but also under the home health umbrella, if that makes sense. Um, So essentially, home health just means that you, as the therapist, are going into people's homes to provide services instead of providing them at a school or a clinic um, or private practice, brick and mortar building.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you for clearing that up because, um, yeah, like, so in Canada, um, for any American SLPs listening, we have, so private practices will often do home visits as well some do some don't depending on their clinic space so some private practitioners don't have a clinic space at all and they only do home visits and then like where I work we have a larger clinic space so then we have more in clinic visits but then some have a clinic space and they do home visits so then I wasn't sure how that what that looked like in the states to my knowledge we don't have any maybe a different province has something different but we don't have a government funded program that's only for home visits so we have like for early intervention we have health centers and child development centers where parents come in for government-funded services, but we don't have anything that is government-funded where clinicians go to people's homes, to my knowledge. Someone's probably going to DM me and be like, no, in, the, <laughs> in this province we do. But if that if that's the case, let me know. But anyways, I don't think we do. So that's kind of nice that you guys have that um, for parents because we know all there's so many benefits to it, which we're going to talk about today. Um but yeah, what's it like working in home health? Can you share a little bit about what it is and not what it is? <laughs> what's it like working in it? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So working in home health is, is really unlike any other setting. You drive a lot. Um, you, you know, you're going into people's homes. You're constantly on the move. Um, but being in home health creates a different kind of relationship between you and the family and you almost become like an extension of their family and I I personally really loved this level of intimacy but I know you know it's not for everyone but I created some really wonderful relationships with families that as a whole not just the child or the parent who I'm working directly with with the child but you know siblings and grandparents and nannies and you know you know the other parent and it's it's just um, a really great opportunity to, to kind of um, work with and involve all the caregivers and all the communication partners that are in the child's environment.
0: Yeah. So I, like I, right away, I thought like, cause I used to nanny and it's, it's such a different dynamic when you into someone's home you see their home when it's messy when it's clean when they're stressed when they're relaxed like you really get such uh like an eye into someone's kind of like more personal side of things which you don't always see when someone comes into the clinic um and i remember really thinking that when i was nannying i was like oh it's really like it is more intimate it's kind of nice you're like wow they really feel comfortable with me coming into their home and seeing that side of them that the public doesn't always get to see. So I could see how that could really help with therapy because you're seeing different dynamics that are going on that could be affecting a child. I kind of want to talk about like pros and cons. So what do you love about it? And then what are some things that you're like, Oh, this is like not great. My first thought for one of those is like, when you said driving, I'm so used to not driving. With working at Speech Meta, and I'm like, I just would not love the driving.
1: But what are your what are Yeah, no, a lot. A lot of people say that. A lot of people don't like driving between houses. I, I didn't really mind it. Um, it was kind of like a built-in break for me. Um, and usually, you know, I was able to schedule my sessions, so I, I didn't have to drive like more than ten or fifteen minutes between each house. Um, but I mean, that's, that's something else I was going to say is like being in home health and driving around means kind of thinking about changing how or, or what you do in between sessions. So like if you work at a clinic or at a school, you're probably doing paperwork or planning or writing a report or sending an email when you have a break or like getting a snack or something. Um, but in home health, you're driving. So, you know, I usually spend the last 10 minutes or so of an hour long session you know taking notes wrapping up anything with billing if i need to any kind of documentation talking to the parents or caregivers and giving suggestions and ideas and you know kind of just tying up any loose ends so that's that's definitely something that's different with home health is is um like the way you structure your sessions and your and your sort of like in between time you don't really have time while you're in the car to be doing anything other than driving obviously sometimes i do uh, sneak a little snack in there but um uh but let's see my least favorite I'll start with my least favorite um I I didn't really love having to ask people to use their bathrooms it just felt like awkward and uncomfortable to me um and like sort of invasive even though like you know I I mean I just said like I become part of their family but it still just feels like weird to be like hey can i use your bathroom um except there was this one family um that had heated bathroom floors and i always like waited until i got to their house to use their bathroom because their floors were so warm and nice and i i had never um had that i've never like seen that before so i was like oh my god this is a luxury i love this <laughs> i love that yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was a, a weird. Yeah, th- that's the thing. You like just kind of see some weird things while you're out on the road. But um, let's see. My favorite part, I I guess I just I love being in the child's environment and being able to show families how they can implement my suggestions and strategies directly into their routine. Because like you know being in their home made it super easy because we already were in their routine you know we did snacks and meals and diaper changes and i would model strategies for all of those um you know all of those routines and how you can support speech and language during all of those or like during um playtime you know story time any you know anything that they usually do throughout their day i would jump right in and say oh this is how you can you know help them combine words or help them you know to label things or request things in this routine um, so that was yeah i really liked it and oftentimes parents would say like oh you know this week we were really struggling with transitioning out of the house and so you know i'm in their house so i said okay let's practice let's transition out of the house and into the car and and, and like see where the pain points are and how we can you know how we can brainstorm it and come up with a solution in real time. So I think that was—it um, felt really powerful to be able to help families uh, do that, and I think um, it, it it helped families like feel feel really good about um, you know our sessions and and how how they can they themselves can be empowered to to you know implement these strategies. You know, at at the drop of a hat. So that was great. Um, and that's I also feel you know that's something that you can do in home health that you can't really do in most other settings. Like I feel like in the schools you don't have that much contact with families, and and um, in the clinic you you know it, it kind of varies. You can have some or um, you know some families more than others, but when you're in the home, you can really be right there and and showing parents and caregivers how you know how to seamlessly integrate these strategies right into their routine. I just need to say the very first thing to say is
0: that when you wrote up the bathrooms, do you know what my first memory was? What When I was on a private practice placement. So I feel like if you have this and I had this with bathrooms, definitely other people are going to relate to this because I remember when I was on my private practice placement, we were doing home visits. And I remember asking my clinical educator, like so awkwardly in the car, I was like, um I really have to use the bathroom but like should I hold it till like what I don't where when do I go like yeah. should we pull over should we go? like I was so like confused I was like do we need to stop at like a McDonald's so I can run in like yeah. and she was like no you can use their bathroom and I was like oh, are you sure I was so weird about it because I was like I don't know that just feels so strange like I'm we're supposed to be like these professionals but then you realize it's like no I don't know it yeah you you're have still like human <laughs> yeah. you have all <laughs> these like weird um kind of ideas about when you go into someone's house as the professional but then you're still a human being and like right. I don't know anyway so that's so funny that you said that too because I feel like that was like something I was so worried about when I was a student on my placement
1: yeah so then you yeah see, totally. it's okay. A lot of families also will be like, oh, do you want water? Can I get you a snack? Like, what? oh, I just made brownies. Do you want one? And I was always like, I mean, I'm not going to turn down a freshly made brownie. No.
0: Yeah, that's so funny. My, I would always watch what my clinical educator would do when we would get offered things on that placement. And if they'd say yes, I'd always be like, yes. <laughs> if they'd be like, no, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like talking about like how helpful it is to kind of see what's going on in their routines and the breakdowns, that would help so much with generalizing their goals and making their treatment goals so practical because something that I'm facing in clinic sometimes is that they're totally um, mastering their goals in the clinic with me, maybe with the parent too, but then when they go home, that's not happening. And it's, it, and I'm often wondering like, why is it happening? What's going on? And then sometimes I need to have them send videos and things like that. But when you're in the home, you can just see all of that. It's so nice to be able to just make the goals so practical because like, that is why they have the goal to help them with their like real life. And you're, and it makes me think like, that's why we play with kids to try to replicate real life for them. But you're literally in their real life, which is really nice.
1: Yeah. 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 And I, uh, yeah. And I loved that. And I, I loved being able to help families, you know, who are struggling, you know, part of the goal writing process for this is when I was in early intervention and it's something that I've carried with me, um, into my private practice, but in early intervention, it's such a collaborative process, especially goal writing. So goal writing is not something that you do on your own at your desk. It's something you do with the family. So you're saying, where are the pain points in your routine? Why are they, why are they such a struggle? Okay, let's brainstorm how we can help. And, and that's how the goals are formed. And then they're written by clinicians, obviously, but it's inspired by the parts that are are really tricky in the family's everyday life. And the whole point is to try and help them, you know, not have such you know, tricky spots in their routine. And so, yes, I really love that. And I, I loved being able to um, carry that over into my private practice and, and feel that's another good thing about private practice. I can structure my goal writing and my, <laughs> my interactions with families, however I want. So um, yeah, so that's been, that's been great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so to end off with, and you've already touched on this a few times, but like, how do home visits impact your therapy in general?
1: Basically, I did my CF in home health and early intervention um, and for almost a year after my CF also. And it was really it was just really good to experience that at the beginning of my career. Like I'm still at the beginning of my career, but like the very beginning of my career, um, because it just showed how important it is to to have a strong relationship with the family and the caregivers and the people who are in the child's direct environment. Um, and just like when you get that buy in from families, everything changes like when they see their child gaining a new skill right in front of their eyes, they are in like, they are like true believers. They get it and they are excited to learn and do more and, and see their child learn and do more. Um, so it's, you know, and I also see, I also feel like if they can see any strategy or number, they're more likely to feel comfortable trying them both in your session And after you leave, which is huge for carryover and huge for, um, you know, generalization of skills, like you were saying. So that has definitely been the biggest impact on my like therapy philosophy, um, involving parents to such a high degree and having them be a huge part of the therapy team.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's huge. And like, um, we always talk about how hope is so important for therapy. And if people don't have hope, like you can do all of the, by the book things, but if there's no hope that it just sounds so cliche, but it's like, if there's no hope. And then when you're like, I feel like when you're saying that you're just showing that like, Oh, they have so much hope when they're seeing this, these things happen and their, their motivation skyrockets. And then all the other things can fall into place. But without that foundation of hope, then there's really not going to be a lot of progress. So I think that's a really, it's a great setting for anyone listening who they're, if they're like, I don't, know am not sure where to start working. Like that would be a really, really great, um, yeah, to learn more.
1: Yeah. I loved it. And the other thing, um, I just remembered, I was going to say was that I, you know, it's because it's been interesting. Um, now that I have my own practice, I kind of approach assessments and report writing and goal writing, um, with such a strong consideration of, Family involvement and and participation, and sometimes that means writing goals for the parents, and you know, saying like, "Mom will um, encourage you know, child to use two word combinations by using whatever strategy." And sometimes it's like you're involving the parents to such a degree that you're writing goals for them. And having them be that involved in the process, because, you know, just like you said, like the kid can, the child might be able to do it in the, um, in the therapy room in the clinic, but they're not doing it at home. Why? Maybe the parent, maybe the parent isn't using the strategies or, um, you know, needs some help with, with figuring out how to implement the strategies. So that's, that's also been kind of cool to be able to integrate parent goals, um, you know, into my practice also.
0: Yeah. I think that's like a really important takeaway that I don't think anyone's ever mentioned on the podcast before. And I remember when I first saw one of my coworkers write a goal for the parents on her treatment plan. And I remember thinking, wow, that's not something I think about when I'm writing the goals. I think about like, what do the parents want to focus on? What are the parents' goals for their child? But with really young kids, especially, I don't always remember like, a lot of these goals and a lot of what we're working on are strategies for the parents. So it makes a lot of sense to have a goal for the parents. So I think that's really important that you kind of touched on that for anyone listening, because it's a nice reminder to also remember the parents when you're treatment planning.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Well thank you so much for coming on again it's so nice to chat with you and um, learn more from you about the various settings you've worked in and your experiences and everything like that so everyone go follow Jess at species are us I will put it in the description of my bio and communicates your private practice is there and your your communicates website is that everything
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know I'm all over the web you can find me anywhere. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Okay. I hope
0: everyone has a great week and I'll see you next Monday.